But there was one. There was one that was very thankful. I, I love these verses. Um, basically, if you know anything about John 9, it's about that a man that was born that was blind, he was blind two ways, and the Lord healed him. And what incredible thank, thanksgiving and thankfulness in his heart that he had. Picking up here in verses 35, and it's 41 verses in the whole chapter, so I'm not going to read them all. Maybe we'll go back to some of them. But verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. That's, that's an incredible, incredible doctrinal foundational principle that our Lord teaches us here. This healed man was accused of being altogether born in sins at the beginning. And what I'd like to bring out here, everything in this blind man was working against him. Even the disciples were questioning why he was blind. If you go to the beginning, you see, and Jesus passed by, he saw a man in verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They were working against him. His parents were working against him. His own church was working against him, and it was the Pharisees that Jesus was calling blind. All of them are working against him. We see here that this healed man, he believed that this was a miracle from Jesus, who is God, and it was from God. And this is a thanksgiving message, and it's kind of like a follow-up, in a sense, of what Pastor Coleman preached about last week, how I thought that was brilliant, how he went to a thanksgiving message. And, and we're all blessed here to have two thanksgiving messages, I believe. He was talking about the ten lepers. Remember that last week? And only one would thank the Lord. What happened to the other nine? Well, I think that's a very good percentage factor of how many people are really thankful to the Lord. One out of ten. And that man loved him. And so I thought there were so many things to do. I thought, wow, what about another miracle of Jesus himself to bring out the essence of thanksgiving? And that passage last week was from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. The Pharisees believe that the blessing one received is only in proportion to the righteousness of one's prayers and good works. Here this man was witnessing to the Jews and he was not afraid. He could have been beaten, he could have been stoned, he could have been sent to Rome for punishment. And he says, why can't you see how wonderful this is? By himself. He goes into the synagogue and he says, why do you hate Jesus? Why can't you see what he did to me and how wonderful this blessing is? He healed me. I've been a man, been blind, I believe it was 38 years. I've been blind in my eyes. I could see nothing. The man heals me and you still hate him. <clears throat> what he is saying, it was an extraordinary miracle and it could only have been performed by Jesus. And with joy unspeakable, the Lord Jesus Christ gives him this great gift.
Look at the psalm, look at, look at the promise that's given in Psalm 27:10. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Look at the thanksgiving he hears he has for Jesus. His own mother and father forsook him in this passage. They literally went to the Pharisees and said, We know nothing about this man. They basically turned Jesus out if you know the story. Who was not thankful here? I think it brings out the essence of what Thanksgiving really should be by looking at who was not thankful. I think this really illumines the responsibility of thankfulness. Not only was this faithful man forsaken by his parents, but also by his local church, and I believe that if you read through this, that also by the neighbors, when they heard that he was cast out, they rang out and cried that he should be ashamed for being rejected by the council. Even his own neighbors said, you were rejected by the Pharisees and the council, Shame on you. And there he is. He's honoring Jesus. I, 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 incredible. The faithful man was forsaken by all, but not by the one. If you're the one forsaken by all, and you have Jesus on your side, and you love him, you have all you'll ever need. You know how many people, how many times you ever hear this? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. You ever heard that? If you don't have your health. The blind man didn't have his health until Jesus healed him. You know, I look at Johnny Erickson today. She doesn't have her health. She has Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I think if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. In fact, I know it. In Hebrews 13, 15, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What thanksgiving is there? You know, I believe the word that parallels, it doesn't have the same definition, but parallels and brings out the essence of thanksgiving is when that man, as opposed to his parents, the Pharisees, and everybody else around him, he's in the synagogue. What happens? How brilliant a Savior we have. How brilliant. He lets this faithful man endure and finish the onslaught of the ravaging, ravaging Jews. Was he taken into the temple? Very possible. We read he was cast out, and this is a good clue that he had been brought into the temple, no doubt to be interrogated by the high priest. And they were trying to get more dirt on Jesus. Remember, this is John chapter 9. Back in John chapter 8, there was a lot of contention when you go back to that passage, and all, all the way to John 10, Jesus finally says, I and my Father are one. And when he said those six words, the Pharisees, it just threw gasoline on the fire, and they were saying, we got to kill this man. And there he is literally giving people their eyesight back, healing limbs, healing ten lepers. When, when Pastor Coleman explained last week what happens to a leper, there is absolutely no end to what can happen to the body of a leper. It can get really ugly. And the Lord healed ten of them. And they hated Him. Can we trust our Savior enough by the reading of His Word that we, that we could stand for Him and to know that He will take care of us? Uh, family, friends, co-workers, they might give us the cold shoulder for a testimony in Jesus Christ. Do we stay the course? And are we consistent? Are we like this man that says, He found me. He found me, and he healed me. Christ went, and he got this faithful man. And what does the Lord say? How he leaves the 99 to save the one. 
How many times did he do that? I think we have a very, I think we have a very cloudy vision when we read the New Testament of the impact of the, the, the volume and the quality and the quantity of all the work that Jesus actually did. We're only getting a small compendium of what he actually did. It says in John chapter 20, I believe it's 21, if, if all of the miracles were recorded and everything that he ever did was ever, ever pronounced and, and, and etched in stone or put on a, some kind of a piece of paper or vellum, whatever, the earth couldn't even hold it. It would fall off its axis. He did this every single day. People would come to him and he would heal them. He would give them their eyesight. He would, he would grow their legs back. He would, he would heal a blood disease. And he would, he would do all these wonderful things. And here this man is giving an account of it. How brilliant a Savior that we have. He was taken into the temple, no doubt interrogated by the high priest. What has he endured in so little a time? A marvelous miracle of regaining his eyesight. Obedient, he was obedient. He agrees to be escorted to, by the pool of Siloam, reviled by his neighbors, betrayed by his parents, interrogated and chastised by the Pharisees, and then cast out of the synagogue. He gets it on every area of his life. What would you think if you had been blind your whole life and someone healed you? Wouldn't you be like saying, he healed me. I love him. I love that man. He helped me and he gave me the antidote to help me. I got to tell you, my practitioner, my doctor, he's, new, he's not Jesus at all, but I can tell you this man, he's brilliant, and he has helped me out of so many things my whole, for the last 22 years, of health issues, and he does a lot of natural stuff, and it's really helped me. I've been in pain a lot, and he's helped, and I'm very thankful for the knowledge the Lord's given him. He's been wonderful, and I say good things about him because he's good. Jesus heals the man's eyes. This man says good things about him. How would you feel? Everybody around you basically is letting you have it. Because it's Jesus. And that's the problem. Because it's Jesus. And that was basically the sentiment of the day. He comes out of the synagogue. This is a normal pattern for the Christian, but the end result is always the great prize reward for the Christian to be pushed away. But he comes out of the synagogue. Let's go back and read a little bit more. And it was this in verse 14, chapter 9, verse 14. No, 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he is a prophet. He knew the Old Testament. He knew his Bible. He knew scriptures. And you know, as Christ had said all the way going into John, back to John 3, he said to Nicodemus, You're a ruler of the Jews. Don't you know these things? If you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ, it is incumbent upon you to know these things. And if you don't know them and you have no, and you have no desire to read them and understand them, start today. Start when you get home. Turn everything off and, and get in it. You'll see things. You will see things that you never believed you could ever see. This man knew. But the question is, 
his eyes were, the lights were turned on in his eyes, and he was made to see. Now, you know what happens when someone's been blind as a child. They have had children who have been blind from birth, and all of a sudden, maybe their eyes develop slowly, the retinas and all, the, all of the uh, nerves and all in their eyes, and all of a sudden, they start seeing slowly, and maybe they get their eyesight. It happens. Do they immediately get up and they just walk outside and they can do things? Absolutely not. They need months of therapy because their equilibrium's off, because they're having problems with depth perception and all these different things physically. When Jesus heals you in, in Scripture, you don't need therapy. You don't need Dreher up here. You don't need to stay up there for months and have all kinds. Of... He heals your knee, you're ready to go pole vaulting. He heals your eyes, you're like Superman. You can almost see through a door. You know, when he does these things, it's immediate. But that's not the only thing that he healed. There were, two, there were two blindnesses that he healed. And the second one, far more important than the first one. What a beautiful blessing that he got the first one. He turned the light on his, in his heart so bright that he, he could see who Jesus is. Can you see who Jesus is? Do you know who he is? Do you have an internal, do you have a natural affection for Jesus Christ? Nobody did for this blind man. Jesus did. He always does. Christ is outside waiting to meet us. He is waiting to meet us. When we cry out and he calls us and he calls his name, in you, I will in no wise cast out. And he's there to wait. So the blind man, he's got his parents are against him. The neighbors are against him. He goes to the synagogue. He tries to tell the high priest, he's Jesus. He healed me. Well, look what he did. How can you not love him? And they said, get out. They told him to get out. Leave church. They kicked him out of the church. He walks down the sidewalk. Who's standing at the end of the sidewalk? I mean, how much more dramatic can this be? And there's Jesus standing there. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you your eyesight. I will give you, I will, I will light your heart up so bright you can't miss it. You'll see, the, you'll see my salvation. It's not fun looking in the back of this church and having an empty seat back there. And I forgot the, my last part of my Thanksgiving thing, and I'll do it now. There's an empty seat back there. There's empty seats. If the old chairs were here, many empty seats of those that glued this church together. It's not fun looking out and remembering that, but it's a great blessing. There were many here that left this church that the Lord called home, that they could see, and now they're with the Lord. Yeah, I think of Aunt Jane. I think of, I think of my mother here, my father here. I think of Miss Doris here. I think of Jack Harris. I think of, of Joy Harris, and I could just go and Miss Lynn Henderson. These, they were part of this church. They loved the Lord. And as much as it leaves a hole in our heart, I'm so thankful the Lord called them up. They're blessed. And they're with the Lord. And you were talking about, talking about Nancy's mom. And my mom left early. From this, from, she was only 61. And, and, and I just, it's hard. It's hard when you lose both of your parents. But you know, to know that they're with the Lord... Is such a it's such a blessing, and that's what happens with this blind man. Here, this faithful man was forsaken by all, but not by the one, and he loved the Lord. This healed man leaves the temple, 
I love this. This was a quote. This was a quote, and I think it was Matthew Henry. He says, this healed man leaves the temple and he finds the church. Jesus Christ is the church. Oh, sure, there's a lot of buildings filled with dead men's bones, beautiful, big edifices like all over the world. But he, when Christ says to Paul the Apostle, or Saul of Tarsus, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, I am the church. I am the, the people of the way serve me. And now you're going to serve me. He was calling himself the church. And so that man left that wicked temple with those casting him out that hate Jesus. And he went and he saw, he ran right into the church. That's the real church. The heel man leaves the temple and finds the church. After years of blindness, then having nobody at all to be compassionate, encouraging, and happy for his new eyesight and spiritual awakening, he receives the greatest love from Jesus. He is forsaken, and Jesus is there. Psalm 37, 7 reads, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Matthew eleven twenty eight. once again, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, there's two, two, we can derive two primary reasons why Jesus came to find out this man. Number one, it was determined before creation this was God's elect children. Number two, this man received tender care from our Lord because no doubt he was shamed by his neighbors and parents for being cast out. And Jesus knew that, that he spoke in defense of him. And we can't, we can't deny this. We see that the Lord was there waiting for them. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. I believe this blind man who was made to see, I believe he became one of Jesus' disciples. Maybe not an apostle, but I believe he followed him, and I believed he loved him. Who knows, maybe he was even there at the crucifixion. We see a wonderful, perfect, heavenly encouragement here. How this faithful man spoke well, bravely, and boldly to support the name of Jesus Christ. And I believe that the Thanksgiving service this morning from John chapter 9 hinges on the word that he believed on Jesus. And that not that all that Jesus requires? What does he, does he say? Give me all of your children and offer them up on Moloch and, 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 and sacrifice your children? Does he say, take your house and burn it down as a sacrifice to me and give all that you have, like some of these weird ministries do and some of these crazy things that they ask? I mean, I'm not saying people need to tell you to burn your house, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of crazy things out there. All Jesus says is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The application is here is that Christ lay in wait to comfort him, knowing every word that the man said. You know, Jesus didn't have to be inside of that synagogue or that temple to hear the filth that came out of the high priest's mouth blaspheming him. You know, it was just the chapter before that, in John chapter 8, where they said, yeah, you heal, you heal by the power of Beelzebub. <laughs> and that's when Christ said, you tell me that I heal by Beelzebub and you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? There's no remedy for that. There's no remedy for blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, and they still believe this. Remember what would happen to Stephen later on. and Stephen would cry out the name of Jesus, and the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees would come out 
And, and, and they, would, they, they, they would stone him because they hated, they still hated Jesus. You see in Acts chapter 6, 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And, and they could not resist hearing him. He spoke like Jesus by the Holy Spirit, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. The people outside of the Sanhedrin and the council, they, were, they started hearing these words about Jesus. And they were captivated by it. They had never heard this gospel before. And when the Jews saw that, they just started picking up stones and hurling them at Stephen. Remember that? And then what did he see? They all rejected him. Even Saul of Tarsus is standing there holding the coats. And he looks up and Stephen sees the right hand of the Father, the light shining, and Jesus standing up in his defense. There could be nothing greater than that. Acts 6, 7, 51, he, he said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, do ye always resist the Holy Ghost? <coughs> As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now betrayers and murderers. And he says himself, Stephen says, you murdered him. You murdered him. Look how they hated him back here with this blind man. And then they, and they went after him and they had him crucified. <coughs> and Christ is seated on the right hand of God who has finished the work of redemption on the cross. Acts 7.55 we read, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And there Jesus was standing at the end of the pathway. Right there for Stephen, just like he was this blind man. Dost thou believe in the Son of God? Jesus asked him. He believed, and this is the manifestation of pure thankfulness to his Savior. What a wonderful blessing. This faithful man would have been taught from his youth at the synagogue the Messiah would be the Son of David. Christ refers to himself as the Son of God. And all these Jews were taught that. What happened? Where was the disconnect that some did believe and some hated him, hated Jesus? Where was that disconnect? Why was it that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, even though they were, <coughs> they were Jewish rulers, <coughs> why was it that they could not resist the presence of Jesus Christ? And that they loved Him so much, they, 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 they actually put their jobs, they put their lives, and they put everything on the line to go beg for his body, to be able to go put it in a rich man's tomb. What, what is that? Is that of you? Would you do that? Did you decide to follow Jesus without him? And you, and you went towards him? Just like this blind man, he didn't think anything about Jesus until Jesus approached him. He asked, who is he, Lord? Or who is this Lord that I might believe in him? And just like Nicodemus back in chapter 3 had said, what must I do to be saved? Christ says, you're looking at him. You're looking at God. You are looking at God in the flesh. And this faithful man yearns in his heart to believe on him. And he believed and he worshipped him. And this faithful man in the midst of all the hate for Jesus, no doubt being taken into the temple and hearing the falsehoods of the Pharisees by his parents and all the hard accusations, he believed. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? 
Isaiah 43.10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Why does he say that? There was no God formed? What, he didn't exist? No, he was saying he's eternal. He's always been. He wasn't formed. He wasn't created. He's always been. You know, true faith manifests itself in the worship of Jesus Christ. Everyone in this faithful man's world hated Christ. No one brought him to Christ, but Christ came to him. Remember the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda? Remember that no one would even take him into the pool to help him to be healed when the angels stirred the water? Who came to him? Who came to him? Jesus didn't need the water. He is the living water. And he grabs him, he heals him, and the man carries the bed out of there. And what did the Pharisees say? He healed him on the Sabbath day. He's no good. That's what they said about Jesus. He's no good. Here, Christ steps in, and he did when the Jews, like, just like when the Jews drug in that poor, precious, adulterous woman whom they would have stoned. Oh, I love that story. He steps in. Oh, yeah, what you hear today? Oh, Christ was a feminist. He hated women. He was this and all. No, he wasn't. He emancipated them. He stood up for that woman. He stood in her stead. And when they were about to stone that dear woman, a helpless woman, he stood in and he wrote down on the ground at their feet something. I have an idea what it was. There were specific sins that these elders had, and he only needed one word to call them out, and he wrote down in the sand. And they all, single file, in rank, walked right out of there. And Christ came right in and, and said to that woman, go and sin no more. <clears throat> well, we see that this, the division of, of, of all, other than the blind men, it was a judgment from the Almighty God. They were blind. Christ was sent to judge all by the providential works of the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 9.8 says, And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister to judgment to the people in uprightness. Psalm 98.9 we read, Before the Lord, before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. And I'm going to finish there, and I am going to say this. Thanksgiving, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will defend you. It's that simple. Salvation is not complicated. Many people make it out to be because there's so many people that don't even know how to explain it. It's very simple. It's not some great big walk to Tibet about 4,000 stairs or some weird ritual that you've got to go through your whole life or wait to some sinner going to hell to pray for you to get you out of hell. It's simple. Christ says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And this man was, was healed two ways. He was healed physically and spiritually. And Christ has the power to do that. And that's what he did. He said, believe. And, and he, he was his defender. He defended him against his, with his parents, with the synagogue, the high priests. And the thanksgiving was, who is this Jesus that I might believe in? And he told him. Well, that, that to me is, I think it's a wonderful Thanksgiving manifestation. So um, I hope it encourages your heart. And let's, let's finish with prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee and praise Thee for this lovely narrative that Thou hast preserved all these years. Thank Thee, Lord, for Thy wonderful healing powers. Thank Thee for the power of salvation. Thank Thee, Lord, that Thou will in no wise cast anyone out. Lord, that 
that calls on thy name, that thou hast called. We thank thee that, that thou chooses us. We thank thee that thou knows all things and that thou art perfect in every way. And Lord, we, we read in, in, in Psalm chapter 32, Many sorrows shall be to, to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall encompass him about. Lord, just bless us today. I, Lord, I pray for each family here today. Thank Thee for the testimonies of them, and I pray for them. I pray that Thou wouldst bless their week, bless their Thanksgiving, and as we enter into our Thanksgiving on Thursday, Lord, we will remember Thee and put Thee first at the table and pray to Thee and thank Thee for all that we have. And we just pray that Thou wouldst have mercy upon this nation, and I pray that this nation would get on its knees and cry out and, and give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And all these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.